You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. The series we've been doing, we've been talking about um, in our previous messages has been, what do you need? What do you need? And as I think about what do you need, I often think about just approaching God in this manner. And Jody uh, touched on it last week briefly about teach me how to pray. That's actually one of my prayers. Teach me, Lord, please teach me how to pray. And I just want, and I do that because I never want to feel like I've arrived. You know, I've always want to be in that place of learning. And when you're in that place of learning, you never reach your ceiling. Does that make sense? You never reach your ceiling. You constantly are in that place. You are, Lord, teach me. And in other words, Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, teach me how to uh, be a lover of you, Lord. Teach me how to love others. Lord, teach me how to be filled with your spirit. Teach me, Lord, how to be, how to be able to share with others, Lord. Teach me, Lord, how to just be sensitive to the needs of others, Lord. Teach me, Lord, how to pray. And something I've noticed with that, as I say that, teach me how to pray. I find myself shifting out of my own situation and circumstances, and I begin to pray for other folks or nations, and, and it's like, Lord, you know what, that was, I hate to say I wasn't even on my heart, you know, but it was on the heart of God. But it was actually on my heart because the Lord just resonated in my, he allowed me, he stirred it up in my spirit. So a lot of times we have things in us and we don't even know, you know, and it just kind of like just lays dormant. But the Holy Spirit is wanting to just raise that thing up in you, to well it up in you, that you'll begin to just, it'll be being to bear witness out of your mouth. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. So that leads me into this about a word that I feel like the Lord gave me, and that was sustenance. Sustenance. And it's interesting when you think about uh, cultures and civilizations, and I just want to use this as an intro. And it says this, that water is one of the prime reasons ancient Rome was a civilization ahead of its time. If you know about Roman history and Roman rule, Romans, the Roman government, the Romans were so far ahead uh, in their architect and you name it, so on, so on and so on. Uh, water is a basic necessity for life and civilization. We all agree with that, right? It is said humans, get this, it said that humans can survive one month without eating, but only a week without drinking water. In ancient times before the practice of purifying and cleaning water uh, was put into place, right? Says this, that it was always a gamble or a risk. To drink water. Now, as I began to just read a little bit more about this, said that the average life life expectancy of a child during these particular times, right, was ten years old because of drinking unclean water. So what the Romans would begin to do, they would begin to transport clean water from faraway sources into their city for purposes of consumption, removal of waste. Now, 
just let this kind of just, just going to mention this and just think about this. See, in the States, in our Western culture, we may not really understand this and may not understand that parts of the world desperately pray for their, for their food and their water supply. They desperately pray for it on a daily for their food and their water supply. Now, that doesn't really re- uh, resonate with us in our culture. Um, now, that, do- that doesn't, I want to make light of that folks here in this nation aren't, you know, you know, in the thick of it. I, I get that. And I think from up front with this leadership team, I can honestly say this. If there's anyone who is, you know, facing some challenges in, in these areas of just your necessities, your food, your water, your, your, you know, just providing for your family, please see us. And I know I can say that up front, you know, that, that bears witness with all of us here. Amen. And I want to just say this, and for you, all of us out here, you know what? Be as sensitive to others around you, you know, who are in that place as well, you know. So it works both ways, right? So in some civilizations today, the reality of digging fresh wells um, is as much of a reality as breathing. Digging fresh wells. Civilizations having to dig fresh wells. And I just want to shift it because I said sustenance, right? That's your food, your water supply, your drink. And you think about it in in civilizations where there are economic challenges. Now, I want to ask you this. If you're a movie, uh, if you like like movies and you entertain, uh, you know, different types of movies, um, I'm not going to be a movie spoiler. I'll say that. But I'm going to put a movie out there that might be good for you to see, and it's called Faith Like Potatoes. Check it out. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to tell you to take, take a look at it. Faith Like Potatoes. <laughs> Faith Like Potatoes. Take a look at it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of heaven is our life source. We have the DNA of heaven Um, in us when we say yes to Jesus. Now, I said the word sustenance, and I'm going to continue to say that word because I know what it's like, man, to be in a parched place. And I wanted to say this. Before I said yes to Jesus, man, my mind was as deprived, man. And I say that because I was in a place where I was in a fractured relationship with God, right? And then when the Lord entered in, when I said yes to Jesus, no altar call, I was in a room by myself, and the Spirit of God fell on me, man, and just tore right into me, man, not out of uh, anger and frustration, but just out of the love of God invaded my space, man. Prior to that, man, I thought that people were taunting me. I thought people were mocking me, taunting me, mocking me. Just making fun of me. I was almost ashamed to go outside, man. That's the place I was in. And then immediately when that happened, man, the Spirit of God came on me. And never, no time before, but that time, I heard the voice of God. And he said this, I will be with you always. It's the first time. The first time. 
The Holy Spirit is our ultimate source. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The same today, yesterday, and forevermore. But let us be reminded, Jesus, about when we face different situations that we go into, right? That we have to understand this, that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And I say that is because I really believe like in this past season that the church, uh, families, the people of God, and those around us really found ourselves uh, in a place of just being uh, almost like restless wonders, you know? And when you know what a restless wonder is, like you just been, you feel like you're not able to receive the supply of God. And when the supply is not coming to you or fast enough, you know, you almost feel as if, you know, you just reached your point where you want to quit and you want to give up. First Corinthians four, chapter four, verse seven says this through nine. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels, in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing. In some texts, it will not destroy it, right? Persecuted, but not forsaken or struck down, but not destroyed. The people of God are not destroyed. You are here for purpose. You are here for reason. And I'm just going to say this as a plug, that sometimes and often we ourselves just prophetically just need to begin to just pray over ourselves into our situation and then allow others to come in and join us, to come alongside of us, to speak prophetically into our lives as well, into your situation, into dark places. James tells us, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Isn't it challenging to consider it all joy when you are in a, in a trial? But scripture says, consider it all joy when you are in a trial, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Wow, do you feel like you need some spiritual endurance, church? And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, or how about mature, huh? and complete, lacking nothing. Let us be encouraged, church. There is nothing new under the sun when it comes to the, the devil's schemes. He's not a creator. He's not a created being. He, he, has, he has no authority to, to recreate or procreate or any form of creation. Only God the Father is the creator. Nothing new under the sun. So if it's nothing new under the sun, then I want us to remember this again. The gates of hell tempted to divide, as I said, the church and exposed ministries, which it did. Uh, leadership teams and families have felt the stings of the attacks in the most recent season. But again, the life source, the sustenance of God is the kingdom of God. It's heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I say that because, you know what, and I know what it's like when we are in this place, we were, you notice that language, we were in a season, meaning that it's behind us, talking about pandemic, right? And what pandemic brought on folks, we were speaking future now. 
that we are envisioning, we're casting vision, be a people that cast vision, begin to long to see the days of, you know, the, the new days coming and, and walking in those days prophetically like right now, walking in the newness of God now. I want to just share this story about when we look at the, uh, the children of Israel. When they were in the wilderness, it says this about them, that God had to humble the Israelites, right? By letting Israel go hungry. There we go again. We're talking about what? Food, supplies, necessities, life, right? He allowed them to go hungry. And then he fed them with manna so that they would have to depend on him alone for daily provision. In Exodus 16, I love this verse because any of you who are, you know, who, who are English uh, majors or whatever you may be, I'm going to use this scripture as one of my favorite because I have a little story behind this with my own kids, right? And it says this. <laughs> the scripture says this. Exodus 16, 18 says, And when they measured it by the omer, meaning the manna, right? Then one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Israel was never to forget the 40 years of God's care in the desert when Yahweh alone had provided food to eat, clothing to wear, sandals that never wore out, the food, their clothing, and that first generation, their clothing, the food, the sandals never wore out. They were always to rely on the provision of God. And if you look at the course of history with the nation of Israel, they were always to be a people who were God-centered, right? God-centered people. A God-centered people. You know, I just feel like for the church now, a God-centered people, because we can often put down what God has so blessed us with and lay it aside and to begin to pick up another device and run with it, <laughs> that it begins to bear witness with us. And I don't say that to, you know, hammer anyone here, but to bring us into awareness that God is our source. My children would ask me this, right? Well, Dad, well, wait a minute. You said that it, the children of Israel said their shoes never wore out. Well, they were young, right? Some were young, and then they grew, they grew old, right? Hey, yeah. Well, did their feet grow? <laughs> Or do their shoes grow? <laughs> hey, I'm just going to say what the Bible says. It says their feet never swelled. How about that? <laughs> it's just one of those things we're going to find out when we get to heaven, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right, huh? He's swapping shoes with each other. <laughs> That's what big families do, right? You get to pass it down, right? Well, I tell you what, Justice right now, because he's gotten a little bit uh, shoe size, a little bigger than me, right? So his shoes get small for him. I said, well, pass them up, buddy. <laughs> pass those shoes up, man. 
So here we go. Nothing new under the sun. Many individuals, as I said, have been targeted. Individuals, uh, corporately as a church, have faced various attacks, wiles of many kind. And the children of Israel in the desert have always to rely on God as their source, always to be their provider. It says, in their new and prosperous state in the land of flowing with milk and honey, the children of Israel, right, they were to be concerned with nothing, but instead the hearts literally drew back to their slavery uh, position. The, the place of slavery was always in their heart and to return back to Egypt. And God saw that and it, and it, just, it just brought about this thing to God the Father to just break that curse and to break the lie of the enemy and when he began to just put them in that place of really beginning to rely on them, then their language and their tongue really began to come out, right? And that often happens when you're in a place where, you know, you, you, know, you feel like, you know, you need something and you're not getting it. And then the language that we speak comes out, you know, not that God is looking at it like he's surprised about it because God is all knowing. It's just that God is wanting to take us into a place where he say, hey, look, you know what? I actually want to take you to a whole different place, but I want to deal with this place where you are right now. And when I deal with you right here as a loving father who loves you, who sees nothing but the best for you, I don't want you to return back to this thing. That is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. That his sons and daughters not return back to the previous days of old. We can sometimes begin to glorify those things as if those things were, they, they almost like define our past or define our history. And God is setting you on a, on a plane of a spacious place. And I do believe the Lord is wanting to bless us in many ways, church, and let me just tell you this, you're not going to bankrupt heaven. All of us in here together, collectively, we will not bankrupt heaven. I guarantee you that. But God is your source, how, you, how God provides. He is your source, right? Jesus, on the other hand, let's talk about that in Matthew 4. says that Jesus in the previous chapter was baptized by John, right? The last of the Old Testament prophets. And it said that when he came out of the water, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And the words that spoke, uh, God the Father spoke over Jesus was, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with. Affirming Jesus. And then when he enters into the wilderness in Matthew 4 and said that he was led by the Spirit, he's led by the Spirit of God. And we see Jesus begin to face three temptations by Satan after having been tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he stood on the word of God by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. It is vital to feed our spirit with daily sustenance from the Holy Spirit, folks. 
It's vital, man, that we feed. We feed our spirit. We feed our spirit and we begin to enlarge, right? We enlarge and it's like you're stretching forth, the, the, like the tent pegs are stretching forth and saying the tent pegs will not hit the ground because just of the measure of the Holy Spirit is just poured out on you and in you is just far more what we can imagine. And so we look at this like our daily sustenance is the word. And when Jesus was hungry in the wilderness and Satan trying to get him to rely on his self-provision, again, children of Israel, same thing. Jesus, same thing. The difference, and I just want to kind of bring a little a backdrop to this. Jesus being fully God, fully human, right? But in every way, get this, he was tempted as a man, all right? Let's understand he was tempted as a man. So as he tried to get Jesus to rely on his self-provision, right? Provide for itself to turn stones into bread rather than wait on God's provision. But Jesus did not do any of this. And I just want to say this, church, when you and I, if you just think about Ephesians 6, if you have a Bible or your apps or however you want to just take a look at it, I want to just kind of just observe something here. Helmet of salvation, right? Helmet of salvation. Breastplate, right? Belt buckle of truth, right? Feet fitted with readiness. And I even like this thing right here, a shield. I, I like shields personally because I like the Marvel movies. And so I like shields, right? Only one of the weapons is used for offense. One. The sword of the spirit. Everything else is for defense. Now, if you don't know anything about Roman culture, Roman ways, how they fought wars. The gear was designed to protect everything right here. The gear was never designed to protect the backside. And the reason why it wasn't designed to protect the backside, right? Because if at any point in time they felt like they were facing opposition and the opposition was getting a little bit, you know, like they were under a great deal of attack, right? They were never to do this, to turn their body, because if they turned, you were dead. You were done. You were done. The goal was always to keep marching forward, to move forward, to advance, no matter what, no matter what. And so what Jesus tells us, um, in another text, he says, my food, said Jesus, at another time, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. He relied on every word God had, he relied on every word of God and refused to act independently. Jesus was tempted as a man. He was hungry, right? The writer of Hebrew tells us this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Jesus, 
if we remember, was tended to in Matthew chapter 4 in the wilderness by angels, right? He was tended to by angels. Now, many of us may not have, I want to say this, angelic encounters, right? You may not have an angelic encounter, but I want to tell you this. You can run to the church. You can run to the church. Angels tended to him. They cared for him. And as they tended to him, and if you read the text and you read Matthew 4 and then you go into the next verse in the next chapter, he actually went back into the region where he left in Galilee, right? And the Bible says, well, basically he left in the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he went into the to regions that were extremely dark and he went in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you leave one place wilderness and you go into another place that is far more darker, right? But see, the difference between the two is this, is that he went in and the light of God was on him and in him and through him. When the light of God is in you and when things begin to rise up against you, Remember what I said about that armor of God, right? Your weaponry, right? Your offense is the sword of the spirit. Church, that, that should be a stance. How we posture ourselves before God now. If we're talking about we, are in this, we came out of a season where it was pandemic and we're going into a new season. I want to tell you, to do not let opposition frighten you. Do not be discouraged by opposition. It is time to be on the offense now. We should be on the offense far more than ever before now as a church. And being on the offense, I want to tell you, it's, 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 it's a place where you are, you are winning, you are advancing, and you're not leaving anyone behind. The purpose of, of the offense is to advance. We advancing, I'm convinced of this, is also a mindset. Have you ever been around people who feel defeated? Who just at no cost, they can't see the goodness of the Lord at all. It's like they feel deprived. It's like being in a place. And I'm not saying that to just antagonize. I'm just saying you, if, even if that bears witness with you. But, you know, just think about the commonality of things and that's language how, how powerful the tongue you know when the, when you get in a situation where you desperate your tongue can pronounce life and it can also pronounce a curse as well the power of the tongue When I think about what God is doing in us and through us, through the Holy Spirit, I think about the word transformation also. How the Holy Spirit is wanting to transform your body, your mind, and your spirit, right? And transformation is an interesting word because it is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in you. It is a continual work, transformation. You are being transformed as Paul says, by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Transformation takes on this word metamorphosis. You think of a caterpillar and you think of a butterfly. Metamorphosis, tra transformation, right? Transforming. You're, you're, when you say yes to Jesus, you are transforming. You are becoming. You are evolving. You're, you're, not, you're not in the place you were before because often what happens when we say yes to Jesus, our testimony can stop right there. And that is in the heart of God. His heart, the heart of God is for you to continue, to continue to transform, to evolve. You constantly, that think about your ceiling. You, you're always in that place of learning, right? Growing in the knowledge of God. And I think about what Paul says, is, I pray church. He says this in the, to the Ephesian church. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can come to know him better. I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened so you will know the hope to which you've been called. You see, the opposite word of transformation when, when Paul talks about this scripture in Romans is conforming. And he uses that word conforming to talk about uh, there, there's a world system and there's a pattern of it. And he says, when you conform to that pattern of the world, you are actually uh, the word conforming takes on this uh, example of being squeezed from the outside in. So you are being pressured by the pattern and the pattern is squeezing you. And it's actually squeezing the life of God out, you know. And so when the, when the pattern comes of the world, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of our mind. So conforming, we don't want to conform to outside pressure. That's why it's vital for Christians to be connected. And those that we know, we witness to them. But the people of God not be fractured from God, but that we actually, uh, with the sustenance we receive from the Holy Spirit, that we are able to be in right relationship with God. And that we are able to be witnesses of the kingdom of God. Transformation. Transformation. We know Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and power to be, to be obedient to the point of death on the cross. Death cannot hold its sting on Jesus, right? Because the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead also lives in each of us. It lives, it dwells, it resides in each of us. The Spirit of God lives in you. Luke 11, folks, if you want to just turn there, Luke 11. Just want to read from that text. We're doing all right, guys? Yeah? Luke 11. Verse 11 through 13. I love this verse. Because the question we're asking in the series, what do you need, right? What do you need? It's a difference in saying, what do I want, you know? But what do I need? So this 
text takes us also uh, into the love of our Father and our walk with him, bestowing his, just his treasure chest of love for his sons and daughters and faithfully giving himself by simply in the act of asking. And he says this, now which one of you fathers will his son ask for a fish and instead of a fish, he give him a snake or he will even ask for an egg and his father would give him a scorpion. Wow, that's pretty rough, huh? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? How much more would he give the Holy Spirit? You see, the Holy Spirit, I love this, the Holy Spirit in Latin is el pericletos, or el periclete, meaning called to one's aid. The helper, or the comforter, the counselor, Right? The Holy Spirit pronounced prophetically before and through the prophets to be poured out on all people. And I want to give us some examples, church, of the Holy Spirit. These are just some examples, just a few, of the Holy Spirit in relation to each believer's life. Just a few examples. There's far more, far, far more. One. He lives in every believer. Romans 8, 11, 1 Corinthians 6, 15, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15 through 20. He lives in every believer. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. John 16, 7, he convicts of sin. He regenerates us, right? That's John chapter 3, verse 5. He regenerates us. Just get this. Spiritually, it means this. That God brings man back to new life and being born again. From a previous state of separation from God and, some, and from subjection to decay. From subjection of decay. He imparts God's love on us. Romans 5, 5 says this. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. I love this text. The, the love of God has been poured out, on, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Meaning this. That in one act of baptism, right? The believer in the it says in one act of baptism, the believer in the Holy Spirit. Now it's talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. God has emptied out into the believer's heart all the fullness of the divine love of Him. There's no more, no more that He can pour out on you. Have you ever been, I don't know, have you, has anyone ever lavished you to the point where you say, I'm full, but he has emptied out his love for you. There's no reserve. It's profound. 
that he has poured it out in such a way that nothing has been reserved. And get this, church, nothing has been held back. All has been poured out on you. Fractured relationships, man. Fractured relationship with the Lord. Now, I feel like the Lord is saying this right now. See, your first ministry is between you and God. Often we hear your first ministry is your family. It is vital, right? Your first ministry is between you and the Lord. And then your, the next ministry is here, outward. Your first ministry, you and the Lord. This ministry goes outward. That's your family. And it goes on from there to this. Not just there, your family, but to your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That it keeps going. That it keeps going. And I just love this text. It just says that there's nothing been held back. There's nothing in reserve. That God has poured out his love on all those who say yes to him, who have been baptized by spirit. There's nothing else with hell. The Holy Spirit helps us, enable us to realize that God is our father. Romans 8, 14 through 16. I'm sorry, Romans 8, 14. He helps us realize that God is our father. Enables us to say yes to Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Reveals Christ to us. John chapter 15, verse 26. He reveals Christ to us. In John 15, says this. When the advocate or the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the spirit of truth. There's something about that thing of truth. When truth begins to bear witness with you. Say, who goes out from the Father? He will testify about me. This is Jesus. He said, and you also must testify. You have a testimony, folks. Say, you have a testimony, for you have been with me from the beginning. In John 16, Jesus says this. He says, and all this I told you so that you will not fall away. You see, the heart of God is for each believer to remain connected to the kingdom of God. To, to your daily sustenance is the Holy Spirit. You are to remain in Christ. And he tells us this, that I am the true vine. And he says, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. That God, there's an exponential growth in you by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit has full access, the exponential growth, the growth of God in you by his spirit is ongoing. It's transforming, right? That word transforming, it's transforming. It's renewal. It's renewing. It's that thing of, that thing of when the enemy tries to rise up and, and begin to oppose you, right? That the word of God begins to rise up in you and you begin to, what we talked about earlier, the armor, right? You begin to take the defense and you begin to use the sword. See how this just, just how the power of God is wanting to work. He's wanting to transform. 
He's wanting to renew. He's wanting to just take you into that place, as Paul said, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can come to know him better, intimately, deeper, deeper relationship with the Lord. He desires that for you, desires it for your children and your children's children's children. Down the corridor of times. Down the corridor of times. He desires it for your children, your children's children, that none would depart. Who is he? Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he, church? Number one, he's a person. He's a person. He has feelings, right? He has a personality. He has feelings. He has emotions. He has all the characteristics of a person, but he is God. The world cannot accept him, right? Because the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. Why do you know him? You know him because he lives in you. He lives with you. He lives in you. And he will be in you. The love of God poured out on you. Love of God poured out on you. Will be in you. He is a divine person. The third person of the Trinity. And if you look in the book of Acts, it says that when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. It says you receive power, right? When the Holy Spirit is upon you. And then it tells you what you will become. You will become my witnesses. Again, you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will become. You will not rely on a system. The system has failed us, folks. The system has lied to us. The system of the world has lied to many of people of God, has lied to the church, has lied to the people of God, and has lied to those who don't even know the Lord. And those who don't know the Lord are looking at it and they're critiquing it. Let me tell you, it's a new day right now. And the Lord is doing a business in the church right now. When we talked about this text about the vine and the branches, man, I do not put my mouth on or dishonor any ministry. But let me tell you, the Lord is severing ministries that aren't bearing fruit. Why? Because he wants his church to be more fruitful. The Holy Spirit is the power that has been given to us in the Godhead. I think about that word power, dunamis, Greek, power, dynamo, dynamic, dynamite. That's where we get those words from. Dynamo, dynamic, dynamite, dunamis, power, power from on high. See, the Bible reveals that God is by nature a trinity. And I love this question because most folks, when you talk to them, uh, some folks, and I'm going to say most, some folks, when they have this conversation about where do you see the trinity, hey, let me tell you, you see it from the beginning, right, right away. When you open up the book of Genesis, you see the trinity right away. It says, in all, it says although only one God exists, 
there are three distinct persons, three distinct persons within the nature of one God. I want to slow down here. They are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a distinct person from God the Father, God the Son, but not a being. He's not a being. He's not some cosmo force floating around. He is a person. He is a divine person that desires to be in a divine relationship with each of you. He is divine. He is holy. He is heavenly. (laughs) Since the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, and we say that he is a divine person, every person that gives their life to Christ Get this, you become a new creation. You become new and no longer belong to yourself, right? So 1 Corinthians, if you want to turn there, I want to just read this. We're going to be closing here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. We're going to be wrapping up here now. Just have a few more. I just want to touch on a few more points, but we're closing here. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. You are not your own. And for you have been bought for a price, and therefore glorify God in your body. God lives, he dwells in you by the Spirit. No longer will you become bound to darkness And I find it interesting, this thing about darkness and what strongholds will try to do and begin to torment and and torment and deprive your mind is that you are not bound by that. You've been set free. I honestly believe, folks, when we say that, that we're set free. And I want to say this even in the church and in many of the people of God, uh, the next, the next thing that needs to bear witness with this is that we need to stop playing with the devil's devices. We need to just let those things go and allow this thing of the Holy Spirit to just begin to renew you, to sink into you, to fill you, to release in you the treasures of heaven, the gifts for you to be, so you'll be able to release, that you'll be able through the Holy Spirit to be able to be ministers of God. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's, he's everywhere. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. As I just said earlier, this past season, church, should encourage each of us as followers of Christ. And it should encourage us in this area to ask Seek and knock for the Holy Spirit. Opposition attempted to kill, rob, and destroy, right? But the life source on planet Earth, planet Earth has been given to us by way of the Holy Spirit. 
Church, I just want to say, um, I hope that bears witness with you. If you have any questions, please let me know. Um, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Joe, do you have anything you want to add, bro? Is give Jesus praise this morning. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Why don't you stand with me for a moment, if you if you're willing. <clears throat> During that portion of Scripture, Ken shared, "How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask?" I think many times in this independent culture that we're a part of, is we think we can accomplish anything on our own. We can make it happen with our own human effort. There's just things in this world that we cannot accomplish on our own. And I think we try to, and I mean, you just think of the things this nation has faced in this last year. You think of the cycles and the patterns of, of brokenness that our nation experiences. It's the same thing. and our, our lives are a microchasm of that. We just, the brokenness that we cannot fix it. It takes a God interruption and Holy Spirit is God on earth. We are still in the Holy Spirit age. God gave the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better the Holy Spirit comes, right? And that I go because the Holy Spirit is omnipresent where Jesus was here physically tangible in one place. And so this morning, I just want to offer that to us this morning. Maybe you haven't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit before. and We're not going to give you all kinds of bells and whistles. I think it's just an ask. It's an ask. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If you've felt in this season like you've been trying to get things done on your own, making things happen on your own, I just want to invite you guys to just lift your hands this morning. Jesus, you know where each and every one of your sons and daughters are this morning. Lord, you know where, where we've been. You know the things that we have been trying to accomplish on our own. And in this model of prayer, you, you, you've showed us that we're so concerned about so many things, about, about our daily needs, our daily bread. And you said, how much more? You gave us a higher priority. Will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, meaning that your spirit is more of a priority to you than bread and water and sustenance. You are our source and you have given us the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that we be a people who are more passionate about your spirit than anything else, that we are more passionate about attaining what you have for us from heaven than we are about putting bread on the table, that we are about punching the time clock at work, that we are about making that car payment and paying that house note, God, that we are more concerned with the spiritual matters in our lives in this season. There are things in this world only you can fix. Man can figure out ways to pay a mortgage. Man can figure out ways to pay a car note and can figure out ways to, to put food on the table. There's Uber now. We can get two and three jobs. Lord, we ask in this season by your spirit, God, that you will be our sustenance. You will be that, that hedge of protection for us, that you will be that, that cloud of fire by night and that, or cloud of fire by day and that, and that pillar of fire by night, God, that you will be the one who goes before us in Jesus name that we will stop looking to ourselves. We will stop looking to the system. We will stop looking to stimulus checks to, to thankful for those Lord, but we're not looking to those things to solve our issues. We're looking to you, God. So Lord, for those who are hungry for your spirit, 
Lord, those who say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray for an endowment this morning. I pray for an endowment. Lord, I just pray that by your spirit, you'll begin to touch men and women in this place. We will say yes, Lord, to the things of your spirit. We will say yes, Lord, to the gifts of the spirit. We will say yes, Lord, to the fruits of the spirit. We will say yes, Lord, to the infilling of the spirit, the baptism of the spirit, and everything that comes with who you are as God, as God. So we invite you. Holy Spirit, you are always welcome in this place. But I pray for each and every lives that we are able to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my innermost being. You are welcome. You are welcome to speak. You are welcome to change and transform and, and convict and to challenge and to encourage and to empower and to empower in this next season. We are trusting you for these things, Lord. We love you and we honor you above all else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, guys. Awesome. I do have one announcement that I, I, I want to remind you of outside of the marriage. Hey, listen, if you haven't, um, there's really not a registration thing for the marriage thing. If you want to be here, come. It's, it's Fridays, 7 p.m. We do have um, child care. And so we want to invite you to come. We are strengthening and encouraging marriages. And so um, as Jennifer, she does so good with announcements, said, hey, it, 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 every, every marriage needs that. And so we want to invite you to come out. So th there is a book that we're, we're giving out. Oh, and here comes my baby. She's out of there. All right. There is a book that we're getting out, and that book does cost something. Um, it's, it's, it's 20 bucks, and so if, if uh, we have extra copies, if you want to buy one, it, it, it's something that we're working through as, as a, um, through a series for this couple series. Lastly, next Sunday, uh, we are having an all-leadership meeting that we invite the entire church to. Uh, we call it thermostat, and the reason why we call it thermostat is because we believe, we believe that um, leaders don't take temperatures of the room. We actually set the temperature. Right. And so it's, we call it a, a temperature meeting or a thermostat meeting. Sorry. Thermostat meeting. You're all invited. And so we, we have a season that we're going to be entering into. But before we go on kind of that summer, you know, kind of open space, we want to make sure we have one final meeting. We um, close service at 1130. We allow everyone to go grab lunch and then come back here. And then at one o'clock, we'll kick off that meeting. You're all invited to that. We want you to know what's happening in the life of our church. We want you to know where we're headed. And we want you to know that you can be a huge part of that. And so uh, that's next Sunday after church. Whose kid is that? <laughs> Pastor's kids are the worst, I swear. Now, anyways. Um, Love you guys. Have a great week. Um, can't wait to see you guys soon. If you need anything from us, uh, please let us know. There will be leaders up here. If you need prayer for anything, um, leaders will be up here ready to pray for you. And uh, hey, have a great week. See you soon.